Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf podcast. I'm your host, JT, uh, for the first time officially live from our home of the You're Still Out Golf podcast. That would be Lincoln Park Golf Course. Excited to have a somewhat permanent studio to record from the gracious folks here at Lincoln uh, partnering up with us as the official home of the You're Still Out Golf podcast. Excited, excited, excited to be joined uh, somewhat fresh from the grounds of Augusta National Golf Club by my co-host and good friend, Scotty G. Scott, welcome back to reality, my friend. <laughs> no, Dan, that's exactly what it is. You are uh, absolutely walking on cloud nine when you're there in Augusta, um, but glad to be back with you, the family and all of the Oklahomans here, and ready to start a great week. And uh, what a tournament it was. It was a fantastic tournament. A little bit of a start-stoppy situation over the weekend, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to a lot of player storylines, a lot of general master storylines, a lot of fun stuff, um, and uh, probably uh, looking at Megapod status if I'm uh, reading this agenda correctly. But <laughs> while you were away out at Augusta, had a great time up at Chalk Sports, uh, did our first uh, first round Thursdays promo yeah. happy hour. Had a great time. A lot of golf sickos came out. Nobody had the first round leader. Nobody had, I believe, the first round lead. What was Kepka, uh, Victor yeah. Hovland, and who else shot 65? I can't remember. Was it? Um, I should know that after the first round. Nonetheless, I know that nobody had him because our man, Doug Jacobson, DJ from Wheeler Park, uh, was the closest. But again, you had to pick the first round leader. So the $100 gift card from Chuck. It was Rom, Kepka, and Hovland. Rom, Kepka, and Hovland. Yeah. Very nice. Right? It was. Yeah. Yep. All, uh, all shot 65 in that first round, which uh, pretty impressive. That was definitely the day to score. Uh, now, I think that Brooks and Javi kind of got the, the, good, the good draw where Rom got the bad draw and still managed to shoot 65. And let's just start right there. I think that um, we can officially say Rom is good. I think that on this pod, some have questioned uh, John Rom, maybe don't like John Rom. I think that um, one major is great, two majors put you in a different category. So let's uh, let's start off with Rombo. What do you got? I don't think he's done this year, actually. Uh, I think his game is really, really good right now. Um, his poise is really, really good right now. I never felt like just kind of watching the body language um, that he really ever thought he was out of it, right? I think he actually got – was the most he was down four or did it get to five at one point? I can't remember. I know it got to four. I can't remember if it got ever got to five, but Rom is just Rom. I think Rom is what is really helping – him is that he just he knows who he is now and um, he knows he's really good and I think he sees himself as being in that definite elite status um, and I think he is I think his ceiling is very very high I don't think he's touched it yet no I don't think he's touched it uh, at all and especially when it comes to majors I think that you would think John Rahm would have more than one major by now, I mean, when you think of John Rahm, you don't really think of him as a one-time major champion, especially with uh, 
the heater that he was on in 2021. Obviously, he started 2023 very, very hot. Um, yep. You know, <clears throat> got a little bit off kilter in 2022, had a disappointing year by uh, by his standards, but really still an excellent year in 2022. Yeah. I think that he is so darn consistent, and he's one of two, maybe three guys that I just don't think has a weakness in his game, right? I think there's a whole guy, whole slew of guys we say all the time, 20 top 10 players in the world, but there's only two or three guys that don't have that glaring or, man, if he would just sure that up, he'd be knocking him down. You know, a JT, for right. example. JT starts putting, he's a world beater. Um, you know, I think Scotty's probably the other one, and then and then maybe Rory. But um, impressive, impressive performance, seeing that he started off the tournament with a four-putt double bogey on his first yeah. hole, basically spotted the field two shots, had the, had the bad end of the draw, and still wins by four. I just don't think you can throw enough superlatives at Rom. And I hear you saying that he's going to win another major in 2023. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. Watch Sunday, and I just, just saw a very poised, looked like a guy that's just been there before, and he really hasn't. Um, I don't know if it's because he was playing Brooks, but, I mean, come on, Brooks has got what four majors mm-hmm. i mean it would have been his fifth so i mean he's playing against somebody that knows how to win how to win majors more than he does but it just looked like the whole time that rom uh was the poised one was the one that was just next shot next shot next shot um make the putt make the putt um even at 18 you know he hits it into the trees it falls down short of the fairway he hits a little four iron makes that a great chip um over the sand trap in front of the the flag, it just he was the poised one that I just saw, and I don't know if maybe Brooks just wanted it so bad because of everything else that's going on in the game of golf, but um, it looked like Rom had the lead the whole time, in my opinion. Yeah, it did. I think that uncharacteristically, Brooks did a couple things early on where it wasn't his normal boring game right he's normally the one when he's in this spot that is hitting it to the fat side of the green on four and taking a two putt from 25 feet instead of doing what he did which was take dead aim at the flag come up a yard short in that bunker can't get it up and down um it was interesting to see kind of rom in my mind kind of out brooks brooks is what it came down to to me because you know both kind of physically imposing presences if you will and uh, I think that that while golf isn't a physical sport I do think Brooks has managed to uh, you know kind of have that persona of the, I'm the bully and I'm gonna you know have some gamesmanship and and Rom just did more of that than he did and, and Brooksy just just didn't have it on Sunday I, it's not yeah, like he, it's not like he was spraying it all over the yard you know making double bogeys and just totally you know crapping down his leg I think that he, yeah. he just did not he was it's, he was just a little bit off and when you're a little bit off at Augusta you aren't going to to stay up with a horse like Rom. Anyway, I think you and I have said it or you've said it numerous times and I think I've repeated it is if you want to win majors you can't have your worst round on Sunday. Yep. And that's just what Brooks did. I mean, he played really really he played lights out for 3 rounds. And you know, even through the rain um uh, to finish but, you know, they come back out for that third round, 
and Brooks Bogies and Ron Birdies. That was a two shot swing right there, you know, just on the continuation. Um, but he he you know he weathered the storm and he he righted the ship on the third round. But the fourth round, which we call Sunday, was just unfortunately Brooks' worst round, and Rom got him. Yeah, it um, it was kind of one of those deals where I heard an analogy of where it's the um, like the line on the pool when they're during the Olympics, like world record pace and like the swimmer is like staying up with it and staying up with it. But then eventually the line gets a little further ahead and a little further ahead. But that was kind of what yeah. Brooks was up against in Rom. It's like Rom was only going to be going forward, never backward. And when Brooks wobbled a little bit, he was never going to get back to that line. I thought that was a, a really, really good analogy, yeah. but I will say all credit to Brooks. I mean, I don't think even with his win last week um, on the live tour, I really don't think anybody came into this week saying, look out for Brooks. He's going to, he's going to really contend. Maybe, maybe folks said he might play well coming off a good week of playing well, but I don't think anybody saw him doing what he did through two rounds. And on that note, Phil Mickelson, I guarantee you, no one saw Nobody that saw coming. That. I mean, that is so impressive for a 52-year-old who had been in bad form, shows up. I don't even know what, what – what would you call his look that he showed up with this week? I mean, it was like Skeletor meets, you know, uh, soccer dad meets uh, biker gang. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously he showed a better game than what he even looked like in person because um, he's he, – he, he, he looks sick. I mean, he does. He looks unhealthy, but the game the game showed up. Uh, the putter was there for four days, for sure. Um, but yeah, as for Brooks, I mean, he comes off the he's coming off the win that he had down in Orlando in the Live Tour. Um, you know, I was out there Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think I shot you a text that man, I, I just forgot how beautiful, you know, Brooks' swing was, and we followed. Uh, some of the live guys there, we watched Cam Smith and Brooks and Co-Crack play three or four holes, and Brooks looked dialed in, man. He really did. He he looked better than Cam Smith did. He looked way better than Co-Crack, which isn't saying much in my opinion. Um, but the swing just was really good. He was, he was going after things, and he kind of has that swagger, demeanor, walk that I just remember Kepka having winning four majors. Um, on on practice rounds, and I I was one of those guys. I was like, man, if there is a live guy that I kind of think might have a run at it, not not win it, not win it, but have a run. I I was at dinner with Chad, and I was saying I I'd say Kepka over Cam Smith right now, and uh, but that was only because what I watched on the Tuesday and Wednesday practice rounds when I was there. But, uh, yeah, they definitely showed out. And uh, got to give love to my other guy. You know, Patrick Reed played pretty well, too. Um, so Yeah, I was, think it was there... interesting to see that um, at Augusta, you know, Phil, Brooks, P. Reed all finishing in the top five. I think that um, it goes to show you something. I'm just not sure what it is, right? <laughs> um, I think that it will be interesting, you know, uh, I think anybody would say the Masters is the um, kind of the easiest major to win because there's a small field 
and even that field probably has 20 or 25 guys in it that are more ceremonial type uh, golfers. And then on top of that, you play at the same place every year. You know, Phil's a great example. Or he, he and Tiger, it's almost like they can – Freddie Couples is another example. Yeah. They can show up there and, you know, shoot 67, you know, falling out of bed it seems like. I will be interested to see if the uh, the guys who can not only contended this week, but I think, you know, we were both high, and I think Cam, Jordan, and Keith also both high on, on Cam Smith and DJ coming into the week as the live guys that had the best chance to, to do well. But um, if all those top, you know, 30 guys in the world, whoever um, is on that list – will have that kind of success when it comes to, you know, the PGA, the U.S. Open, the, the Open, you know, tournaments that, that admittedly are, are harder to win. But you can't, you can't take away that um, pretty impressive, pretty impressive uh, showing. And, and honestly, I put this in a, in a separate text thread than one we're on with some other dudes and said, having the whole live versus PGA Tour element, I think was additive to the Masters. I mean, it created this um team effect almost like are you gonna root for a live guy you're gonna root for a pga tour guy i thought that, that was uh was additive to the situation what are your thoughts there no i totally agree you know i i was probably more that guy that just really wanted to see really really good golf at the end and uh i think we definitely got that um i think it was a really good tournament as a whole you know outside of um, the rain delays, um, you know, and some of those guys getting some pretty brutal, brutal weather there to play in. But uh, I, I, I kind of separated from. I just those all those golfers that were playing. I just wanted them to play well, whether it was Phil, whether it was Brooks, whether it was Rom. You know, the, I remember I was in two or three extra threads, and that everybody was saying the same thing. They were rooting for free golf. They wanted they wanted a playoff. They wanted to see more. You know more. Well, and, I think uh, I think what we want is I, all the players playing in the same tournaments more often, right? So that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. downside well, of of having two the, different the be- golf leagues. The best ones, right? Yeah. Everybody wants the best ones, and and unfortunately, uh, there are some of the best ones playing um, in a different league. Um, but it was really good to see them come back, and it was good to see those ones that decided to go to the other ones still continue to play well at the Masters. But you're right when you say. It's the easiest one because a lot of these guys have played it so many times. They know the shots. They know the course. They know uh, where to put things. Now, you know, executing it's a different story. Yeah. It just it is what it is. Yeah, and that's what's so impressive about Phil uh, and, and Brooks and, and Peter. I'm, I'm, you know, those three guys that, that played so yeah. well and, and, and finished in the top five. Nobody saw in either, any of those guys, you know, coming out and doing this. So just got got a hand up, give it, give it, give it up to them. Another guy that, man, he hung around for a long time. I keep thinking he is going to break through our guy, Vic Hovland. Man, he just um, comes out firing, looked unbeatable on Thursday with the first round 65 and um, kind of stumbled a little bit through the middle two rounds, but got himself back to eight under par in that penultimate group uh, right behind the leader's on Sunday, and uh, man, just just didn't have it. I uh, are we are we buying or selling right now, on, or holding on on Young Vic? It's a great question. Uh, I guess I'm going to say I'm I'm holding right now. Um, it's almost like, you know, you you listen to Tiger's interview about Rory, and he oh, you know, he's going to get one, 
Well, it's really easy to say that, but he, he hasn't. He hasn't yet. Um, and, and, and Hovland, it's like, he, you know, he'll, he'll win on American soil. He's going to, it's going to happen for him. It's going to happen for him. Well, and we keep waiting. And, and, and again, Hovland is such, I mean, he hasn't touched his ceiling either. I mean, he's, uh, because, you know, he continues to get really better with the wedges. He, he is going to win one. Um, but it's like when, you know, it's as the fan, um, but I, I, you know, I, I do love his game. I like it. I think he is improving in spots where he definitely saw, um, you know, s- s- some negatives in, in his game um, to where I, I do think it is going to happen for him. But right now I'm, I'm going to hold on Hovland. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be dependent for me on if he uh, finds a new clothing sponsor because that yeah. was uh, some atrocious, atrocious wear that hey. he had on the, the shirt on Thursday. The pullover, I couldn't tell if that was a pullover full-length uh, arms or if that was a shirt underneath. Anytime you can't tell if there's a, a polo with a shirt underneath or a pullover, that's, that's a bad look. I mean, I felt bad for our folks at Paycom having to be associated with that kind of outfit. But uh, I, For all those sickos, the YSO sickos, go back, I think, to year one when y'all, when you and Keith started this and I got to be on a guest and I was making fun of Hovland's outfits from the get-go. Uh, you were all over his them thing. not fitting, not, not yeah, appropriately it, fitting. It, and now, and now it's it's still bad. It's still all bad, in my opinion. Well, transitioning from a, a very flamboyantly dressed gentleman to one that uh, you know is fairly straight down the middle when it comes to attire, that would be our man Pat Cantlay. Um, he. Had a, a very solid Masters, faded a little bit on Sunday. He and Vic in that uh, second-to-last group together. Our man Hoppick was kind of talking about how, you know, for Hov's sake, Cantlay really needed to come out and play well because Victor tends to feed off of that. You think about last year at the Open Championship when Rory's kind of stuck in neutral. You know, Hov doesn't do anything either. And, I, and so there may be something to that where if, if Vic has something to chase or he feels like there's some right. some good juju in his group, he's able to kind of let loose and, and not play so tight. Did not get that out of Cantlay. He got the opposite. Uh, Cantlay, I believe, coming out in bogey in the first. Um, not able to get down in two for a birdie on, on two. And then on top of that, Slow play. Uh, I think you put this on the agenda. He got called out for it repeatedly on the broadcast. Um, at one point, Vic even you know, kind of leaves him on the other the- side of the creek on 13 and goes over and chips his ball while Patrick is still kind of walking up to the green. He got filleted for it out on uh, social media, that being uh, Pat Cantley, just a glacial pace. And, uh, man, that was, that was tough. That was tough. There was one group behind them, I guess, Rom and Brooks, uh, notori- Brooks, notoriously fast players. And so uh, you got you to gotta feel like that had some effect. But um, what are your thoughts on, on Pat in general, but then specifically him being um, quite deliberate in his uh, yeah. routine? I mean, he, he, he still plays like he's one of the best, you know, top ten in the world. But on Sunday, I don't know what it was. I don't. I don't know if he was trying to do it on purpose. I don't think he was, but you could see Hovland leaving him in the dust numerous, numerous times. And I think Hovland was doing that to show maybe the guys behind him, like, hey, it, it's not me. You know, I, I, you're not waiting on me type of thing. 
And I kind of think Hovland maybe just mentally said, I'm going to play this round kind of by my, like I'm playing it by myself. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of chatter uh, between them two. Uh, you don't really see a whole lot anyway, but you really, I mean, Hovland was on the other side of the fairway walking a lot of times while Cantlay was still not ready to hit. Um, and 30, 40, 50 yards in front of him numerous, numerous times. If you, if you can get on, there's plenty of video that shows it um, to where he's even chipping onto the green, like you said, and uh, uh, Cantlay's not even to the bridge yet. And yeah, he just, just, I don't know how to get, how to change it because it's just between, between what Cantlay and Sam Bennett, it was just, man, a, backup out there it's just hard to it's hard to watch it's got I know for a fact it's hard to play with slow players and um I I don't I just don't know what I don't know what can be done about it other than other than finding people and they're not going to do that so I think Brooks said it best and I think he kind of said it to where hey I'm not in this you know I'm not in the on the PJ tour anymore so I'm going to say what I want to say and uh the group in front of us were relatiously slow and uh, I think Rom had to go to the bathroom seven times, and he was still back in time, um, plenty of time before we could even hit. And it's just when things like that happen, you kind in my opinion, I feel bad for the, the final group. And I, I was actually going to bring this up to you. It's like, you know, do you think those going into Sunday, do you really want to be the leaders? I mean, obviously, you want to be the leader, but, like, what if they went off first and they just had the whole court? Like, would you see di- something different? If they had the whole course to themselves in front of them, not waiting on anybody. I know, obviously, because of TV, and you probably want to see what's happening and unfolding in front of you. Um, but I just would be curious to see if they let the leaders just go off first, right, and just have the whole course to themselves. They don't have to wait on anybody. If the, if you would see some type of different algorithm of an outcome. Probably depends who's in the last group. I think two guys yeah. like Brooks and John Rahm, would uh, play much, much better in general. I mean, they, uh, Ron played great anyway, despite um, that. But there were times to the opposite where, you know, Rom's ball lands on the green and the camera can barely get over to Brooks fast enough before he's pulling the trigger, hitting his shot. Like on number nine, it was right. awesome. I was like, this is yeah. sick. Uh, yeah. So I do think if in that kind of fairy tale scenario that, yes, they would play better. Um, it's just that, you know, in this case, those two guys had clearly kind of lifted and separated, at least at one point, before Mickelson and Spieth kind of, you know, charged back into the conversation. But um, I think that, unfortunately, it's one of the things that's just part of the game, and mm-hmm. people are going to have to deal with it until we get – and again, it's, it's kind of like, in the, in the end, is it frustrating? Yes. Is it uh, hard to watch? Yes. That said, it's kind of like an old man shouting into the, you know, the, <laughs> the forest and like only hears his own, his own echo. Uh, no, yep. Nothing really to be done about it. Just um, and to, to make fun of guys, which, you know, it's always fun to have a little fodder out there on social media. Uh, one guy we can not make fun of is a guy who I absolutely love. He'd even fallen off my radar, even though I, he's a consistent draftee of mine in the chalk fantasy league he's a consistent uh, roster holder of mine in the dirty birdies dfs contest that would be russ 
Henley, I love this dude. I don't know if it's because I kind of see a little bit of myself in him. He just doesn't doesn't hit it a long way, uh, but he always, uh, you know, just kind of hangs around, makes a bunch of yep. putts. Um, you know, doesn't you know, kind of gets it, just advances it towards the hole. And uh, he came back in a big way. I was I was uh, happy to welcome him back to the proceedings. So wanted to mention him, but I think most people would prefer us talk a little bit about everyone's new favorite, and I'll use that in quotes for our uh, uh, air quotes for our YouTube watchers. Sam Bennett, impressed? Question mark. Um, a maddening? Question mark. Give me your thoughts on on Sammy B. I I have so many mixed emotions about Sammy B. I I was rooting for him because he's an amateur. I got kind of tired of his not act, but you know when he starts. Oh, I've played harder courses, and you know and I'm just like, come on, man, just respect, respect Augusta. Just tone it down a little bit. But that's kind of I think that's who he is. I think he's got a little he's got a little edge on him. Um, I think he, and I think he feeds off that edge. He made some incredible putts. He stands over it a while. He'll stand over a putt for a good minute. Yeah. Um, but he did, man, he made some, you know, he didn't, he maybe hit an approach shot that he, you could kind of tell he didn't like, and he'd go make the 15 footer or the 18 footer that's bending and, and uphill and then back downhill. Um, so I got to give him mad props for all of that. Um, I just wish he would tone. Maybe, maybe wish he would have toned back the uh, the interview that he that he got. I think after round through two or three, um, but overall, um, I think he's going to be around uh, when he, be, especially when he becomes a uh, a professional. He seems to rise to the occasion, right? I mean, I, we follow college golf as much as anybody, and he's always. Yeah. You know, around the periphery, he got to number one in the PGA Tour U rankings at one point last year, decides to come back for his senior year. But, you know, we don't really see him you know, winning a lot of college golf tournaments. But USAM, biggest stage there is for AM golf, wins. Yep. Amateur at Augusta, goes out, puts on a great showing, kind of makes a name for himself. And then on top I'll of that, it. on top of that, I think both you and I agreed kind of in our side chats that, we find out that he has to fly back home last night so that he can get back for the Aggie Invitational, which is walking yep. 36, carrying your bag, and it's like mucho respect, brother. Mucho respect. I do, I, you know, I didn't like kind of what he said about Augusta, that he's played harder courses. You know, he's just going to go out there and do his thing. But the one quote that he did kick kick major butt on was he uh, he went after Stanford. I don't know if you saw this, but somebody asked him, if he was going to use a push cart, and he goes, "No, I go to Texas A&M. I don't go to Stanford." Yeah, saw that, that shade. Was pretty funny. Pretty pretty thought, solid thought, shade at Stanford. Now he so. that would also be throwing shade at our Oklahoma State Cowboys because they always look for any advantage to their to Coach Bratton's credit, and he's got a lot of those guys push carting. But yeah, I think that uh, you know some teams say you know, we, we lug it or we don't slug it, and uh, the yeah. Aggies seem to be one of them. So yeah, good on Sammy B. I think overall, uh, my impression of him went from. Not good after the USAM to solid after seeing him do it on this kind of stage. And then he did a great job in Butler Cabin. Like after, you know, the yeah. ceremony, he, you know, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, very, uh, yeah. no, very polite, very there. professional. So I, I, uh, I, I'll give him an 8.6. That's, 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 that's heady praise from, a, from a, an old codger like you. Now, I think we're going to go opposite here on uh, some either sad stories or uh, we got to do better type stories. 
we all of a sudden have what I am calling new old Rory, right? Because we used to have old Rory that was the good Rory. And then we got into a point where new Rory was the old Rory because he started playing well again. But I feel like he totally spit the bit at the Masters when everything was pointing to him playing well. I saw a decent amount of his second round whenever he had a chance to start grinding and make the cut, and he seemed like he kind of gave up, and that was pretty disappointing from uh, the guy that pretty much everybody had circled for being in contention on Sunday. Um, Blip on the radar screen here, Scotty, or should we be uh, continuing our concerns about Rory's major championship aspirations? I think we need to continue to worry about Rory, uh, not only his major, but just Rory in general. I think there's something mentally not right with Rory. And I don't know if it's him being kind of the new PGA Tour darling child, you know, versus the live. And it it just has gotten to him uh, with all the media that he has to do and answer all those questions. Um, But I don't think Rory is mentally right. And uh, that's my take. It might be a bad take, but um, I I do like the way the new old Rory, but I do think there's something different about him, and I think it's something mentally. Obviously, he just uh, backed out for this coming week um, at, at, what is it, the RBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not he's not playing in that. Didn't give a reason why. He's already set out one um, elevated, so this is number two. Yep. So, now he, so now he can get technically get penalized. Will he? I don't know. Um I, I think I think if we if we find out why he backed out, I'm gonna say something some type of mentally exhaustion or just something just not right mentally with him. I don't have any reasons to back it up other than the two practice rounds that I watched. Rory just doesn't look like Rory in my opinion. Yeah, it's very odd. It's very odd for somebody who you know played great at match play. Had the stinker of a players that everybody thought was sort of a one-off, uh, you know, kind of happens to everybody. But to come out and lay an egg in the Masters when, um, again, everybody was pointing otherwise and um, him kind of even saying that, oh, you know, after last year and shooting that 64 in the final round, I kind of had this, um, you know, weight lifted off my shoulders. I'm just going to go out there and freewheel it. And uh, didn't look like any freewheeling was going on yeah. this weekend. Uh, I guess Thursday, Friday at Augusta. Scott, it's a, it's a little stinky in here. It's a little stinky. It's a little stanky. It's a little danky. Uh, it kind of smells like wet cat. And uh, cats don't like the rain. Cats don't like to be wet. Cats certainly don't like limping around on, uh, in their case, three legs. In this cat's case, one leg. It was a tough scene. Awesome to see Tiger make his 23rd straight cut at Augusta. Ties the Masters record for consecutive cuts. And then uh, that bad weather did him wrong. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, he, he got some unexpected help from Sunjay and JT uh, to move that cut line for him. But uh, I feel bad for him, man. You know, he, he thinks he's he thinks he's about right. I don't know if it's just because he's one of the best competitors, you know, of our lifetime. You know, I definitely throw Tiger up there with you know, that killer instinct with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, people like that. And I just, he thinks he's ready and, you know, he might've been, 
but you know the weather just absolutely crushed him. Uh, I found out really fast that Augusta is definitely not an easy walk, and it's got to be harder for him, even though he knows that place like the back of his hand. I really think he could probably play that course with his eyes closed, but um, he still has to walk it, and it just the way it ended was a really sad scene uh, for me, especially after listening to his press conference of I don't know how many more masters I have in me. Um, you know, it's, and then seeing him hobble the way he hobbled, it's like, he says he's going to play in majors. I don't see him playing in the next major. If you really want my honest opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, I don't really remember Oak Hill very well. I don't care what the walk is. It could be flat as flat can be. I don't think he's playing. It will definitely be interesting to see if he lies to himself again and says, I'm going to tee it up. I do think that he should do what he did last year, skip the PG. Uh, sorry, I guess last year it was skipping the U.S. Open to be able to play the British. I do think LACC sets up nicely for him, uh, especially given a couple months off, resting that leg, getting himself right. I heard something crazy, dude, absolutely crazy that came out. That I believe it was Jason Day. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Jason said Day's that the at court. the PGA, it's one Hill. of the screws in Tiger's reattached ankle like came out or loose or something. I mean, pierced, pierced through his skin, popped out through the skin. That uh, that's that's it sounds, why a, it sounds painful, and it sounds like he was not in good enough condition just not not that's not even physically mechanically (laughs) to uh and again no laying up they do a great job one of their guys said um it may be time for tiger to just chop the thing off go with a prosthetic and plenty of golfers out there play adaptive golf and do quite well and he could do the same thing he's doing now i have no idea i'll leave that up to the experts uh also left up to the experts under the knife, our man Willie Z will go. Uh, will Zalatoris withdraws from the Masters. It comes out uh, after the fact that he is undergoing season-ending surgery. Uh, hate that for Willie Z. I know he's one of our favorites. He's a lot of fun to watch, but we will go without him yet again. Uh, any thoughts on Willie Z? That one was just so weird to me because I followed Willie Z, watched him for three or four holes. It looked really, really good. Uh, watched him play in the uh, par three contest, walking around, having fun, jumping up and down. Um, the quote even said that he didn't like, you know, he's living living in pain, uh, not only just playing in pain, but living in pain. Um, he didn't look like he was in pain. Never, even, you know, the violent swing was there. Uh, the ball flight was awesome. But uh, so just weird to me. That some of these guys, I guess, can hide it that well. Um, I hate seeing it. I love Willie Z. Uh, as you know, I'm a humongous Wake Forest fan. Huge. And, uh, you know, he's one He's one of the guys that I like rooting for week in and week out and going to have to wait a whole nother year. I just hope it just doesn't linger, you know, where it's he's just always, always injured, always injured, always injured um, to where you can't get, can't get right. So, um rooting for Willie Z and hope to see him again next year. Yep. Going to be 2024 before we see him out on tour. Before we leave kind of player storylines, we did effort 
to get the founder on the recap pod. Uh, he could not be bothered away from a another round in the beautiful weather down at Marina Vallarta. However, he did send in a statement that he asked that I read on the podcast. And so uh, this again from our guy Keith. Uh, Brooks gagged. Sam Bennett needs a haircut. Ten years from now, the most memorable thing about this Masters will be the trees falling and almost killing patrons. End statement. Uh, always a man of many words. Well uh, said from our man Keith. But let's go to the tree trouble. I thought that was um, something that was crazy, first of all. Second of all, was um, very, very fortunate to not have somebody uh, severely injured, if not killed. Yet, it seemed like it happened, a couple hours of outrage, and then it was uh, swept under the rug, as Augusta tends to do pretty much anything that's out of place at its golf course. Um, Man, 25-mile-an-hour winds typically doesn't blow over trees in Oklahoma. What are your thoughts on the Augusta Pines coming down there on 17? Yeah, I mean, when we were there, we were listening to kind of the locals talk about it's the most rain that they've ever had, and this was before Saturday. Um, and they just, everything, the soil was so wet, and, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the trees did snap, and I think it landed into the other two, which made the other two get actually uproot. And so you see the other two come down with it. Um, it's a scary scene, for sure. Um, but I just think, I think a lot of it has to do with how much rain Augusta and the state of Georgia has gotten, um, you know, this spring, winter, uh, and year, I think, but it's just, I think they were saying in the month, this month, I think they're already over, they were before Saturday, they were over 20 inches of rain already in the month. Um, so it was, uh, it's, it, it was definitely scary. Um, but it glad nobody, like you said, got hurt. Yeah, I think that it will certainly be one thing that we remember this Masters for, uh, you know, five, ten years. Like, remember that year that those trees fell down? That was crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, I can't, re- I can't remember what it, what year it was, but I was, I don't know if you remember, but that there was a humongous. I think it was on the final day. Uh, there was a hydraulic leak from one of the mowers on like number three, and they didn't want it on the television and. Th- they actually got like that 40 yards of sod replanted um, by the time group, the first group off was getting to like number three. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, it's a crazy story. I'll have to look it up and maybe in the next pod that we do, I'll, I'll say it, but it was, uh, I do remember they didn't want it to be seen on television and they had their entire grounds crew already with new sod, pulling up the old sod, laying it, and uh and going so i you know i i think if it wasn't raining i would like to see how fast they could have chopped up that tree and gotten it off television yeah i mean obviously by the next morning there was no sign that it ever happened and uh, (laughs) augusta has an army of people at its disposal to take care of the course and uh, handle things like that when they happen uh same crew undoubtedly that Built the new tee box on number 13. Uh, by and large, uh, I thought 13 showed out really, really well. It made that decision to go for it uh, a little bit more difficult. 
Uh, it made guys really have to hit some long clubs when they did go for it. Uh, I, all in all, I loved the way it played. I'm not sure what your feelings were both on, on the grounds and when you watched it, but uh, I was a huge fan of the uh, new and improved 13th hole. Uh, full agreeance, and, and seeing it in person was even cooler. Um, but, you know, you watch all these bombers, right? And, you know, Kisner was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It just, you know, gives them better whatever for the for the bombers. But the bombers don't hit, they don't hit draws. Their power fades. And if you power fade it over there, um, you're in trouble. Uh, what they do is they normally draw. And if you, if you listen to Scheffler, what he's like, I can draw a three wood on purpose. I can't draw my driver on purpose. You know, you have you ever seen, you know, if you ever see me hit a draw, it was on. It's strictly on accident that it's drawing. Um, these big, big hitters, Cam Young, uh, Rory, they hit they hit power fades, and so I definitely and I'm fully agree with you that 13 with the 35 yards back uh, definitely showed out and made it a really cool hole to watch. Well, I say that only to say how impressive John Rahm was on Sunday on 13 with that lead, does not hit three wood, does in fact hit a draw, and hits the longest drive of the day when the pressure was on the most. And so that just goes to show you that um, probably the right guy at the right time won this tournament because it was all gas and no breaks from John Rahm and 13 just showcased it I think uh, as much as any hole so I, I was a huge fan um, it was the right amount of penalty for going for it if you missed uh, the right amount of reward for getting it on the green uh, and um, made it very obvious when you needed to lay up if you didn't if you didn't hit a good shot so all in all five stars for the 13th hole another five star decision that Augusta National has made uh, is some new qualifying criteria for the Masters next year. Specifically, the NCAA champion will get an automatic exemption into the tournament next year, much like the U.S. amateur champ, the Asian Pacific amateur champ, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I think also of note, it was uh, very clear that the way to earn your Masters exemption was to be in the top 50 of, excuse me, in the top 50 of the world or win a PGA tour event. And so I'm not sure if it was specifically, I think that maybe the major exemptions might've been tightened up a little bit as well, but pretty clear that um, at least at this point, they're not kind of recognizing live from a perspective of um, doing well on that circuit, earning you exempt status other than uh, through world ranking points. So just, I don't know if you got the chance to look down the new qualifying criteria. Obviously, the NCAA champ, I assume everybody's excited about. But uh, any thoughts there, Scotty? I just think it's great that they're uh, allowing the NCAA champ. That's really the only thought that I have. Um, I think that's a great, I, I don't know why it hasn't been in before, um, but I think that's a great move uh, getting that in there. Yeah, totally agree. It'll make it watching the NCAA championship all that more interesting, right? I think I know we're always interested in it just because uh, whether it's local tie-ins or just we love college sports and anytime you can crown a national champ, it's very cool. But to have that sort of um, reward waiting for you at the finish line, um, frankly, I'm glad they didn't do it a year ago because it would have made it that much harder to swallow Chris Goddard up, you know, 
pissing down his leg uh, to lose last year. But uh, good on the Masters. Uh, tend to be getting it right these days. All right, Scotty, before we leave the Masters, we have some uh, what we're going to call you know, fun Masters stuff. Talk to me about Masters app. I know you're excited about this question, so uh, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, I was just curious. You know, I think a lot of people were talking about it's kind of the best app, golf app, right, that uh, we kind of get, you know, once a year. Um, but I was wondering if you – do you leave uh, leave the app on your phone or do you one of those guys that sends it to the cloud until next year to re-download it? <laughs> that is a, that's a great question. Um, the reason I laugh is because it seems like every year people are sending out tweets or Instagrams of, you know, kind of like uh, – the screenshot of them deleting it with some sort of like crying emoji or, or, or vice versa, you know, Monday of masters week, they're showing how they're, uh, they are redownloading it with a big, you know, fist pump emoji or something. Uh, I personally, uh, am, uh, and I'm sure this won't surprise you given uh, what you know about me and my OCD organization tendencies. Uh, last night before I went to bed, deleted it off the phone We'll wait till Monday of Masters Week next week, next year, excuse me, to uh, to re-download it. So I, I'm I'm in that camp. Are you are you a uh, where do you fall on that? It's it's there and it never it never leaves my side. Just there staring at you all year long, huh? Um. Well, I think one other thing of note that we uh, we wanted to chat about a little bit. You know, you were on the grounds Tuesday and Wednesday of Masters Week. Got to see the entire golf course. Uh, I'm curious, you know, what hole, if you could have only sat and watched one hole, what hole could you have watched no matter who the golfer was teeing off, right? So not, oh, man, I want to follow this group. I want to see this guy. It's like I'm going to sit here all day and just watch the guys come through. What hole would that be for you, Scotty? I'm going to say 18, and the huh. way it is is, they, they let patrons be on both sides of the tee box. Normally, it's always, like, behind, right behind them um, or off to the, you know, kind of the back side of them. This one, like, you could have it on the left side, right side, and back behind. And we stood there and we watched uh, a lot of guys tee off. It was just a really fun angle. And uh, it was just, uh, I, honestly, I didn't know it. But 18 is actually a really, really cool hole in person. Um, I, 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 I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's on with, in television, watching on TV, but getting to walk 18 with a group uh, was really, really cool to see and uh, and watch them decide what club they wanted to use. Obviously, driver on the TV box, but their next shot, you know, what in between clubs or a full, full iron, stuff like that. It was just, I, I think 18 is actually a really, really cool hole. Interesting. Uh, you know, big, big time hot take from our guy Spencer over at Red Dirt. He, uh, he proclaimed the 18th hole to be the worst finishing hole on the PGA Tour, which I thought was, uh, I don't know if he said that just to kind of have a hot take, but I noticed that out on social that uh, that was his hot take of the weekend. I don't know. It seems to always produce some some crazy stuff. I mean, heck, John Rahm, the leader, 
hits it into the tree. Like, can't, didn't even get it out of the chute, right? And then I, mean, I think Spieth did that a few years yeah. ago, and he was trying to track down, I don't know if that was Patrick Reed, but, yeah, I while I'm not saying it's one of my favorite holes at Augusta necessarily, uh, I could see how going, seeing it, and watching guys uh, navigate it would be would be really, really cool. I'll, I'll probably refrain from this one until I get the chance to go because I think, you know, sitting on a hole and answering that question is probably more of an in-person thing more than, like, the what's your favorite hole at Augusta. So pretty pretty cool experience, bud. Right. Um, yeah. Anything on the cutting room floor as it relates to the Masters? Covered quite a bit. Uh, I want to get to some college golf and then maybe some uh, – some fairway file stuff here on local golf as we kind of get closer to the uh, to the hour mark. But uh, anything else on the Masters? The Masters Club sandwich was my favorite thing on the menu. Masters Club sandwich. Oh, I got well, I can't wait to have one. Another thing that I can't wait to do is to follow college golf over the next uh, six weeks as we get closer to conference championship season. Obviously, Big 12s up at Prairie Dunes. We will be on site for that, NCAA regionals, at least one of those here locally at Jimmy Austin, and then obviously NCAA championships out at Greyhawk again this year. They're the last week of May, but I uh, just wanted to recap some, some results. There's been a lot of college golf happening since we last talked about it. OU men win out at the good one against a really good field at Harding Park. Uh, OU women kind of have a, a nice weekend down at the Big 12 match play. They take down uh, Texas, OSU. Um, I believe they beat Iowa State yesterday afternoon. So uh, after finishing pool play a little bit down the down the line, they have a nice finish um, in terms of head-to-head play. The, uh, the OSU men and the OU men uh, will tee it up. Uh, I believe this coming uh, weekend at the Thunderbird out in Arizona, um, another big time event, and then the uh, the OU men also going to make an appearance up at the Boilermaker. So, um, man, just a lot of college golf, and, and again, I know we're excited about it. We are going to have a Big Twelve Women's Recap, Big Twelve Men's Preview Pod uh, that we'll post uh, again that week of. Big 12 championships, I believe that's the 24th of April. So, again, just like to wet people's whistle on college golf. Other thoughts from the college circuit, Scott? Kind of what are you most looking forward to when we travel up to Prairie Dunes uh, for the Big 12s? I'm honestly the course probably more than anything. Uh, But I want to see how these guys uh, attack that course, right? You've played it. I've played it. Uh, we obviously have a much different game than some of the boys at OU, uh, OSU, Kansas State, Baylor. Um, and I, I just want to see how they take it on. And uh, I, I fully agree um, with uh, Coach McGraw with the wind and everything like that. You can start finding some of these golfers that are can really make adjustments. And I, I want to see if that, that wind starts blowing up there in Kansas, what golfers can make that adjustment uh, and getting to follow them. And, and, and kind of watching all that. So I love amateur golf. So just kind of seeing what they can do. Yeah, it's an amazing experience. I would highly encourage, again, still a couple weeks away, you have time to kind of take a day off of work, uh, come up and kind of 
Holiday Inn Express, perhaps. Uh, a lot of great things happen at the Holiday Inn Express there in Hutch. Uh, I would highly recommend that as lodging. No free ads, of course. Uh, but yeah, just walking around Prairie Dunes, getting there's no ropes. You're following these guys right in their hip pocket. I, I would highly, highly recommend April 24th, April 25th, April 26th, getting up to Hutchinson, Kansas, and taking in some golf. Now, not to be outdone, the ladies will tee it up those prior three or four days down at Dallas Athletic Club. So it's, if it's a little bit easier for you to get into Dallas, you're in that area. Again, uh, Big 12 Women's Golf Championship, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, right there in Big D at Dallas Athletic Club. So that's going to be an awesome full week of covering our Big 12 schools and um, lead right into NCAA championships. Scott, we're up against the hour, but I do have a few more things I want to cover. First of all, Masters Pro Invitational at Oak Tree. I think you kind of sniffed this out for us. Talk to folks about the uh, unbelievable group of guys that teed it up last week at the tree. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of saw it. It kind of fumbled upon it and just was like, man, that is a really cool, cool event um, with some really, you know, names that we've had on the pod, uh, names that we have followed, have said numerous, numerous times. But um, I guess there was, what, 20, 23 guys, I think it was, Masters Pro Invitational at Oak Tree National. Uh, Tyson Reeder uh, comes away with the win. Obviously, he was an Oklahoma State guy and then transferred to Arkansas. I want to I want to interject on Tyson Reeder. Tyson yeah. Reeder is the proud product via his grandfather of the Mountain View, Oklahoma metropolitan area. Believe it or not. Our, really? Our, our, yes, absolutely. Uh, the readers live right down the dirt road from my aunt and uncle, right there next to Saddle Mountain. Uh, Ty, uh, he, he actually, Tyson grew up in uh, Edmond, but uh, yeah. uh, yes, as you said, played at OSU before transferring and having a great finish to his career at Arkansas. So, so love seeing Tyson getting some run. Uh, you know, Kiowa County representing. Uh, but you're right. Huge field. I mean, Logie Mack, yeah. Quade Cummins, yeah. uh, Ekro. I mean, it was like a, a hitter's Max row. Max McGreevy. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's guys that uh, have been on leaderboards out of PGA Tour, um, you know, and, and event. And so, got to give it to Reader though. He's the only guy to the only guy to shoot under par. Um, so he he uh, he ran away with it. But uh, I just thought that was a really really cool event uh, that was going on here in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma City area while the Masters was, was being Absolutely. played. Absolutely. And, you, and dude, the tree is ridiculously hard. I mean, to, for yeah. one, for only one of those guys to break par, um, I was told last week that the new course rating uh, combined with the slope literally makes it the hardest golf course in the country, according to That's the right. uh, to the rating. And so uh, pretty, pretty cool That's to have great. that in our own backyard, even though I'll happily decline uh, any invitations uh, that they'll ah, come pouring in. I... It'll come pouring in after this podcast, I'm sure. Um, Scott, I know, again, it's something you threw up on the uh, agenda uh, we want to cover, and I'm going to let you take this one, but it's been a minute since we talked. You're still out golf fan clubs, and so let's dive into that a bit. I got Cam Young. Um, I feel like I'm doing really good as his uh, fan club president. Um, I really think if he doesn't have the wet uh, Friday or Saturday, you know, I think he's probably even more in contention. 
Um, and I think if there was four days of sunlight and no wind, I think Cam Young could have gone really, really low uh, and probably would have been there um, maybe in the final group on Sunday. Uh, but that's, you know, the fan club president speaking there. So, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm feeling good, feeling good, you know, as we continue the year. I think Cam Young's, you know, only getting better. Uh, but as for, you know, you, I think you've got major concerns over in your camp. You know, JT missing the cut. Um, you know, I think there's some other guys that goes out there that might be uh, ready to come over to the Cam Young, and we'll gladly, gladly take you in our camp. Uh, I do have concerns. I have concerns. I think that uh, hand up the the JT choice as my golf fan club leader uh, was uh, was totally a heart pick. You know, how can you not pick JT when your name is JT? I think there's, a, right. there's an obvious correlation. Uh, same same heart with Logie Mac as my as my Cohen Ferry Tour. You know, a proud Boomer Sooner. But yeah, the performance thus far is unacceptable, and uh, I've had side chats with both of them. They they know the expectations, they know the consequences. Certainly, should they not turn their season, their respective seasons around, I will say. However, they they are golfers. Golfers. JT sent out the tweet where he plays eight hours in the rain, misses the cut. Yeah, all he can do is get on the couch and watch. You know, two days of golf, total sicko. Logie Mack, again, one of those players that teed it up at Oak Tree. Uh, just total sicko behavior for my guys. And while the performance isn't there, I think that the culture that we're trying to build is, is firm and is good. And so I, I, I think that while we're disappointed through the first quarter of the year, we're, we're certainly not abandoning anybody quite yet. Trying to think back, uh, we had a bit of a cloud shift, if you will, and uh, we lost our list of fan club presidents. But I can um, name a couple. I can name a Keith's I, is Hatton. Uh, Keith, yeah, Keith, Lord Tyrell Hatton. Um, Chad, uh, Chad's is is the sc- scary Sunjays. Yep, Sunjay uh, scary is very good. Heathcock had uh, who did Heathcock have? He, he had somebody. He's my, he, no, he's my vice president. That's correct. That's Heath, correct. He, Heathcock is my vice president. Uh, smartest man at the table. Do you think uh, Nolo? Nolo had Rory. He's got major concerns. Major concerns. Um, Surprised he hasn't jumped ship yet. But, yeah, after that, it kind of gets a little foggy for me. Um, I don't think there was anybody that had the Heath. Um, I do believe somebody, you know, went off the deep end and went over to the live and said uh, Dustin Johnson. I want to say maybe Luke Hobbs said that. Could be wrong. Yeah, that's all really what I can can remember. Well, great job bringing it up, getting it on the agenda. We will uh, hold ourselves accountable. A full report of golf fan club uh, analysis, um, and you know we'll put it we'll put a deadline on ourselves. What, what do you think about you know PGA Championship week? We'll we'll, we'll have a full account uh, post yep. PGA Championship. Will be two majors out of four. We will Maybe see we do rankings. Maybe we do a. A little bit of a power ranking ranking situation. Power rankings, yeah. You put again, maybe a PowerPoint, something like that, a slide deck. I I like it. Uh, A lot of, lot of, a lot of lines, a lot of graphs. Investors, Uh, possibly you. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Last but certainly not least, uh, want to shout out the uh, well, at least one finalist of the Supercell Survivor Series Match Play Tournament. Uh, Olive Loaf has stamped his ticket into the finals by taking down Schmitty 
Unbelievable Oops. upset. Cinderella story. Were uh, you there? I was not there. I was not there, but I was getting uh, boots on the ground reports from uh, the participants and from the spectators. Look. Loaf was down three holes look. with five to play. Looked like it looked like a choke job. Just throwing it out there. Sorry, Smitty. I love you. You're one of my favorites. But uh, as the low handicap up three, maybe four with five to play, is that what you said? I don't think he was. I think he might have got. He might have got up four at one point. I think it was more like uh, three up through fourteen, some things of that nature. Smitty was the first to say, "Hand up." He did not play well. I mean, you can't shoot uh, in the low eighties as a as a plus one and expect to beat anybody. Uh, let alone somebody who's getting a significant amount of strokes off of you. So, credit to Loaf. He uh, the door the door was opened, right? The door came open, and Loaf walked through it. And yep. uh, kudos to him. The other semifinal yet to be completed. Our man Jay Hop squaring off against uh, Magic Lugie of the nine one eight. That match was scheduled at one point, had to be rescheduled due to some hopic health issues. No, no HIPAA violations here. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Would be interesting if the East Side gets completely shut out from the Supercell final. Something to watch, Scoots. Something to watch. Where uh, do we have it when that match is going to be played or where? Uh, recording this late on a Monday evening, uh, April 10th, yet to be determined where that yeah. match is going to happen. I do know Hop's travel schedule very, very well, and he set sail for Florida on Saturday morning. So we got to get it in this week, or we might be looking at a, an unfortunate forfeit situation. But uh, as always, we will be on the scene uh, breaking these important golf stories for all of our Golf Sicko listeners. Scott, yeah. God, good, good to see you back here. Uh, congrats on a on a great week. Proud of you. You did YSO proud out at Augusta, and uh, I'm ready to tee it up with you here. I think both of our handicaps are trending in the wrong direction, or at least had been, and yeah. so uh, could be a bit of a pillow fight the next time we tee it up together. But excited to do it, buddy. I agree. I agree. I threw up a 79 on Saturday. Felt a little bit better. The warm weather uh, definitely helps me. I think. Um, but yes, excited to get out there and uh, play some golf with you. Likewise, it is major championship season, uh, Supercell event this very weekend out at uh, our home, Lincoln Park. Weather looks delightful. There's only one thing to do get out there and enjoy the walk. Yeah.